this is Michelle Weidenbenner, your host at Moms Letting Go Without Giving Up. If you're here, it's probably because you are the mom of an addicted loved one. And I understand it's a it's a tough, tough journey. If you haven't joined joined our private Facebook group, Moms Letting Go, please um, feel free to come and ask to join because healing happens in our community. We provide prayer, support, encouragement, and accountability. If you're somebody who wants to change or grow from this chaos in your life. Also, I have uh, courses available at momsletting.go.teachable.com. You can go there and learn about addiction, learn how to overcome your obsessive thoughts, and take a seven, uh, an 11-step challenge to stop your enabling habits um, if that is something that you struggle with. So today, I am going to be talking about how do people change? And when we are talking about addicted loved ones, so often we want them to change and we want them to change right away. And um, I think it's really important to look at ourselves too, because even though we are not an addicted loved one, we are part of the chaos and the cycle. And when we can introspectively look at our contribution to the family and to the cycle of the addiction in our family, we can learn ways to change maybe what we are doing, especially if it's not working, right? So, and and my inspiration from this topic comes from the book, Beyond Addiction, How Science and Kindness Help People Change. It was written by Jeffrey Foote, who's a PhD. So again, I will share that beyond addiction, how science and kindness help people change. And so often, so many people are like, well, just quit enabling and detach from your addicted loved one. Just let them go, right? And I want to clarify something. We can when I say let go, we're letting go of the shame and the guilt and the obsessive thoughts and the anxiety and the responsibility that we feel for our child's actions, right? I will never say let go of your child because part of uh, the anecdote to addiction is community, is connectivity. And if we can learn how to let go of the chaos and continue to love our child and sit in that place of listening and being empathetic, we can do great things. And it's a skill that I honestly didn't have and I'm still learning it. And as long as I'm alive, I think I'll have to continue to learn it because it's not something that comes easy easy for me. So before I start, I just want to say a little prayer. Heavenly Father, help each mom listening here today to turn to you for help on what to change and how to change, how to better build her relationship with her addicted loved one and the rest of her family members. As she begins to change her behavior, help her to see through your eyes and your love. 
help her to process her thoughts and desires and find a calm tone when she's talking to her addicted loved one. No, no matter how badly she wants to scream at her son or daughter to stop their using. Give her the words to say to her children when all she wants to do is beg them to stop using. Give her the words, the loving words, to say to encourage her child. Also, please help her turn to you to help her and awaken her to your presence and your love. Amen. So I want you to think back on a time in your life What was one of the most difficult things you've ever tried to change, right? What was that? Did you maybe quit eating breads and pastas to kind of lose a few pounds? Or maybe did you quit, try to quit smoking or quit sugar over, you know, a period of time or maybe fast for 24 hours? What was it? And, um, what did you try to change in your life and how did that go for you right so how do people change over time with stops and starts with practice with the trade-offs when the trade-offs seem worth it so when you're trying to lose weight and you're not seeing yourself losing any pounds and you really are craving the pasta and the breads or you know your piece of chocolate what do you do and how do I know this because I've done it we relapse we we give up because the trade-offs aren't worth it we're like oh I don't care if I have a few pounds around my waist and um and we give in right so the same is true for our addicted loved ones um we sometimes expect them just to stop just stop this now right when um it doesn't doesn't work that way because change is a process. It's not an event. Change is a process. It's not event an event. And so I'm going to talk about the five stages of change. And the reason I'm going to identify these is because I just want you to think about when I, when I'm, when I'm kind of um, defining what those stages are, where do you think your loved one is? And where do you think you are? in in this cycle right so the first stage is you're just not thinking about change or your loved one Um, you're ambivalent if you think they need to change but they don't have any intention of changing your head-on straightforward discussion about the need to change is going to fall on deaf and muffled ears and when when I used to think oh my goodness you know Why is everybody looking at me like I have to do something about my son's using? I didn't create this problem. It's not my problem. Well, I was at the point in my change cycle that I was ambivalent. I did not believe that I had anything to do to change. I thought I was just fine the way I was and it was all his fault. So what can we do? Well, validate any perceptions your child has of the downsides of his behavior. So when, when you're talking to your addicted loved one and, um, you know, they are talking about their life and they think, you know, they're digging their life. They don't see any reason to change. So maybe help them just by listening and reflecting on how things are going for them 
and asking him or her, you know, hey, are you happy with your, the way your life is right now? Is there anything that you wish you were doing that you're not? Or, you know, just kind of be curious and inquisitive. And the second stage is where maybe the person is getting ready. So in this stage, the person recognizes the negative impact of his or her behavior, but they're still ambivalent about taking any action to change. As he assesses, as as he takes assessment of the pros and cons to his behavior, he may feel overwhelmed by the idea of doing anything about it. So if I were to talk about a mom of addicted loved one when she continues to you know, hold a safety net under her child and pay for his hotel room or pay for his food when he's using and continually make excuses for his behavior and calling in sick for work or whatever it is that she's doing. Um, and, And she comes to me and she's like, what do I need to do different? Well, she might be at that stage where she's ready She's thinking, you know, she's getting ready. She's thinking, well, maybe there's something I could do differently, right? But she's still a little ambivalent about, I can't stop doing that. I love my child, right? So the same is true for your addicted loved one. So let's say your addicted loved one, one Saturday morning wakes up and says, I know I was hungover this morning, but I love to go out and party with my friends. I just love it. Like it helps me come out of my shell. It helps me. I'm funny. People like me more. Well, what can you say in response to that? You could say, yeah, you were really sick this morning, but I guess to you it's worth it. So now I didn't interject any sarcasm, just kind of empathy, right? Like, oh yeah, you were really sick this morning. You couldn't move too quickly, but I guess to you, you know, partying with your friends was worth it. So she here, the child doesn't have to defend. She's not on the defense, right? There's no argument. You're just kind of validating where she's at. So she might wonder if partying was actually worth it. So, you know, in her own mind, she might be thinking that. Now, we might not know that, right? We might not know what she's thinking, But this is where, you know, we can sit in that space where we're just kind of observing and and saying what we see. The third stage is readiness. Here the person is preparing to make a change based on her evaluation of the impact of the behavior in her life. She may not know how to accomplish change yet, but she's considering a plan. She's considering a plan but has no goals yet. She might want to join a support group, but may not know where they are or which ones are good. And sometimes this is where I find my moms come to our support group is they're like, oh, I heard about this group, you know, and I know I need to change, but I, you know, I guess I really need to change because everything I've been doing and working on for years and years and years, nothing's working. And I'm stuck in this cycle and I lost my purpose. I, I, I can't breathe. My health is bad. I I can't sleep. You know, I have um, hypertension now. I've gained weight, whatever that is. Well, the same is true for our addicted loved ones. So, you know, maybe your loved one is thinking, yeah, I really need to change because this life is not the one I always imagined for myself. So what can a mom do 
What can you do when you see if your child is ready at, at this stage? You could recommend a local support group. And the only way you're gonna know the good ones from the bad ones is just to do the research. So if you're at a place where you know, you're really concerned about your loved one, do some research, find out more about the support groups in your area and what makes them good and what makes them bad. And, you know, try to just make a list of those. And when your child's ready, you can share your information, just share the facts, not your opinion, but just what you heard. You could identify other ways of coping and behaving. You could say, hey, you know, I heard that there is this, um, massage therapist that is just amazing and some people find success with that or I've heard about going to see a shaman and a shaman is somebody who can go into your um, trauma in your past life and bring a part of your soul back together for you to heal now I'm not saying I'm an advocate of this I don't really know a whole lot about it but my point here is that there are so many different alternatives and things for your child to just even consider. And, and that is coming up alongside of them and saying, yeah, you do have this problem, but I've heard about some of these things that might work. Um, or mention uh, a meditation group, like as an alternative support meeting, you know, yoga or, you know, just check your area. What are people finding success with? And bring it up. And sometimes just bringing it up, you know, they they think about it, they stew about it. And even in my group, um, in my for my moms, you know, I'll bring up a suggestion of, hey, how about trying this today? Or here's an article I read. Maybe this will help you. You know, it's just a different way of thinking about it. I'm not saying you must go do this, right? I'm not, you shoulda, woulda, coulda. I'm just giving suggestions on another way of thinking. So now we're in the fourth stage and this is where they take action. Your addicted loved one is ready to undertake change and begin to do things differently. Action takes time, effort, and strategy. You want your child to feel good about her strategy and being on the right path. So the same is true for you if you're a mom who's looking to change and you are ready to embrace what it's going to take. Find an accountability partner in our group, in our support group and say, hey, I'm working on this and I need help because I want to relapse. I want to give in when I know I shouldn't. I want to love him or love her without enabling. How do I do that? Can you can you hold me accountable? So, and what can moms do for their addicted loved one? Well, first of all, acknowledge their effort. So the first thing in that would just be to, oh, I see that you're really motivated to change. Well done. You know, it's just noticing. It's it's a fact. Oh, I see that you're taking the steps. I really feel good about that path. Do you feel good about that path? Um, and maybe if they're like, yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to work, I'm trying to go to support meetings, and I'm not able to cook dinner for the kids, um, you can offer to step in and fix dinner one night a week so they could go to you know, recovery. Those are, those are the ways that you can support them in healing. Um, in taking the right positive steps for change, right? 
And then the fifth stage is maintenance. This is where they work to prevent the return of old behavior. You can, they continue the gain in the action phase. So they're continuing to go to support me, meetings, but the benefits must outweigh the cost. And this is where a lot of our loved ones get just so stuck. I remember seeing Ryan, and I think he was like a year into recovery, but I could tell he was getting so discouraged. You know, the job was hardly paying him, and the bills were... Um, mounting up and he just could never see he just could not see his way out of that and what good is this you know I mean it's just that negative mindset where my goodness where are the benefits here when are they going to outweigh you know the cost of giving up and and you know doing what I'm doing because I want a better life but my goodness how long is it going to take and at that point we I said could I make a suggestion And he looked at me because, you know, I asked permission. I just didn't offer a suggestion. I asked for permission. Can I make a suggestion? And he said, yeah. And I said, would you be open to working with a recovery coach? A coach. And he's like, well, yeah, but what does that mean? What what is that? You know, so um, after a lot of talking and discussing we found an amazing coach to work with him for six months transformative in his life but you know it's it's just knowing that yeah we had to put forth some effort in finding the coach and he was a part of that and paying the coach but he had to show up and he had to do the work Um, we couldn't do that for him and he was at the point where um we knew that he could really benefit from that, right? So what could you do? And, and, and what about you? You know, how do you stay in your maintenance stage once you've started to change the way you're responding to your loved one? Well, I am huge, huge, huge into identifying who you are and why you were born. Why were you born? What is your purpose? And when you can lead a purpose-driven life about using the gifts that that God gave you um, and go on a mission to find your purpose and live in that purpose and live your dream, you become so hyper-focused on achieving that that you become positive to your addicted loved one because you're no longer obsessed just about his or her actions, right? And they notice that change. They notice that change in us. But one of the things you can um, do with your son or daughter when they're in this maintenance stage and they're, they're faltering or they're like, oh, it's so hard, just listen and troubleshoot when obstacles come up. You know, kind of, you know, ask, well, gosh, it sounds like you're really in a pickle. I, this, this sounds really tough, but I'm confident you're going to work it out. You know, do you want to brainstorm some options? You know, um, ask permission and then, you know, offer some suggestions for them to do something. It doesn't mean you're going to do it for them. So just know which stage your loved one is and know that they could go in and out of these stages and give them grace. Give yourself grace. Don't wish that he was at a different stage. Understand where he is and help him go from there. 
And this is really important. You know, our stages, our change stages aren't in a straight line. Our forward momentum is sometimes a step forward and two steps back. And you know what I mean, because, you know, the first time, yeah, I bailed him out of jail. The second time, I did things a little different. The third time, I did it even more different. And every time we think we're doing the right thing, it is the right thing for us in the moment because we're doing the best we can with what we know. But if you're here, it's because you want to change. You want to embrace your purpose and find your joy. And you're learning how to overcome letting go of the shame and the guilt and the responsibility of your child's actions. So well done. I'm really proud of you. And I'm just so honored that you are listening today. And I hope that um, you give yourself grace. We all learn it at different paces as well as our loved ones, right? But expectations are huge. They're huge. And so your child may start to think about changing and start to make plans and then drop them and return to the old behavior. So they're going to have to figure out what's working and what's not working for their own life. Um, And we have to stay in our own space and not compare them with other people who are maybe making better progress on their change journey. But if we don't have any preconceived expectations, then we are not setting ourselves up for disappointment. And know that change includes failure. Sometimes we aren't good at it. You know, if if you talk to somebody who's um, been on a diet, you know, they beat themselves up because they binged one day and they, they lost all the momentum that they gained. Or somebody who is trying to quit smoking and um, they, they had a death in the family and they reverted back to smoking or whatever and then they've got to get right back on it, right? And it's even harder that time. But change sometimes does um, include failure. So we have to practice, 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 practice. So if you're in the Moms Letting Go group, golly, just tell us you're practicing and what you need um, accountability for. And we'll pray for your patience and we'll encourage you and we'll hold you accountable. But practice is the best teacher, right? But practice with reflection is even a better teacher because when you can implement something new and then evaluate, you know, how it worked and what worked and what didn't work, you're gonna grow a lot quicker from that too. And, Because I'm your chief hope builder, I'm here to tell you that brains can change. They can. I've seen it. I mean, our son was opioids to heroin to meth. And um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of brain cells had died. But by by establishing new habits um, and repeating new actions, they form new brain connections. And the same will work for us moms too. So our habits, healthy ones, um, develop out of repetition. So give yourself, um, you know, be optimistic and patient and flexible 
and be determined for your loved one and yourself. So um, change often feels worse before better. And know that if, you know, if your loved one is in like stage four and they're really working at um, overcoming their addiction habit, and especially if they're not on medicated assisted treatment where they're not on any drugs that are curtailing the um, drive for um, the dopamine level increase The cravings are so amazing. They're going to be irritable. I know when I quit smoking, I was 24, so it was a long time ago. But oh my golly gosh, I was so irritable. I couldn't sleep. I had to like, I walked around with a pretzel stick in my hand and would just gnaw on it. And oh, it was the hardest thing ever. So today I'm going to pray that um, you find your willpower And if you do, your son or daughter will too, that you can replace your habits with positive rewards and they can too. And you can find your joy and your purpose. So embrace what kind of coach are you going to be for your child? Are you going to help them learn from their mistakes? Or are you going to be a screamer on the sidelines? and bitch every time they mess up, right? Who wants that? Boy, because their inward shame and blame is greater than anything we can imagine, and they don't need us to add to that. So keep your perspective, and my challenge to you today is to be on the same team. So God bless, and I hope to see you in the Facebook group. If you have found that this episode is worthy of your review. I would love for you to leave a review because that's how moms find us. And um, Or send me a little note at michelle at michellewidenbenner.com. If you haven't downloaded the free ebook, Moms Letting Go Without Giving Up, Seven Steps to Self-Recovery, I encourage you to go to momslettinggo.com and get an ebook copy. If you're the paperback type, you can always go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble, Apple, any of those um, places where you can get a paperback, and um, you can order that for I think it's $7.99, and um, it's a journal type form, so you can actually write in it and carry it with you and have it with you. So God bless, and it's been a pleasure serving you today.